Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the August 27th episode, and as always, we are here dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions as we get closer to the start of seasonal leagues. I'm your host, Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at RandallRant. Today, we have an old friend of the mailbag, Eric Moody, the senior fantasy analyst at ProFootballNetwork.com. He is a great follow, interactive, and his tweets are so robust. I feel, Eric, like you have the videos and everything going on. The master of Twitter, he can give you so much advice, Dynasty, Redraft, DFS, the whole package. Follow him on Twitter at Eric and Moody. Eric, my friend, welcome back. No, hey, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad to be back. You know, I appreciate that intro. Hey, the checks in the mail. You know, just just want to let <laughs> you know it. that. So, uh, but no, I really appreciate that. Hey, it is good to be back. And anytime I uh, get that DM on Twitter from you, anything Rotoviz related, uh, since I would consider myself at this point a OG Rotoviz guy, hey, yes, I, I am definitely. always happy to come on. But no, things are great. The season is nearly upon us. I'm excited. Yeah, man. And you've done so much work. I love the grind. And now you're at the point, senior fantasy analyst at Pro Football Network, an inspiration to people like myself. Tell us how it's going and how the last year was with COVID because it was so up and down for everybody. Yeah, no, things things are going great at uh, Pro Football Network. I know I've got a lot of the uh, player profiles that I wrote for, uh, you know, various players on, on different teams, you know, that are getting released uh, now. It's still plenty that's in the hopper that'll get released. But no, content's going great over there. I also started a uh, podcast in the mood for fantasy football with um, a partner in crime, nice. uh, Tommy Garrett over there. So things are great. As far as like this past year, it's it's, it's hard to believe, you know, we've been in the pandemic, you know, for this long uh, up to this point, but you know the the family's doing well. Everyone's staying safe. Everyone's staying healthy. Uh, just trying to be as active as we can. Uh, just kind of in the environment that we're in. Just to kind of tie all that back to uh, fantasy content. Uh, it's just been it's been a crazy year because uh, I'm just thinking like earlier this year. You know, I was writing at the Athletic. You know, I was writing at Roto Baller, uh, four for four. You know, a lot of uh, different sites. I was just really excited. And then we were talking about this uh, offline uh, to be able to consolidate everything to one place. Audio content, video content, and written content. So just really excited to see what this uh, season brings. And we've got a lot of great stuff planned over at Pro Football Network. So. Yeah, Pro Football Network has Mr. Moody aboard, and that is efficiency of your Twitter bio. I am very, very, very <laughs> jealous. But let's start off. We're not going to bury the lead. We're going to hit the big news, Eric, this week. Daryl Henderson, I am patting myself on the back on Twitter because when his season total rushing prop went up to 925 yards, I said, now is the time to slam this because I just did not believe that Sean McVay and the Rams would trust him as the back. Maybe they got freaked out by a thumb injury. I kind of think it was in the works, but Sony Michelle is now in. So talk to us about the Rams backfield this year, how you project it. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, that trade, you know, broke the heart of uh, many uh, Daryl Henderson mm-hmm. uh, fans. So I, I think about Sean McVay and his offense. It's been very productive, especially for running backs. So I kind of start there. Uh, you look at the Rams under McVay. You know, they've averaged around 28 opportunities, 135 total yards, and 24.5 PPR fantasy points per game. They've got a solid offensive line. Like this is the productive type of running game you want exposure to. So that's ultimately what got people excited about Daryl Henderson. But there was a catalyst for this trade. You know, Cam Akers goes down. You know, they did have a need. You've got the Patriots on one hand. They've got a plethora of running backs. You got the Rams. They've had a rash of injuries. You know, you mentioned Henderson's uh, injury. Obviously, Akers' injury is well known. Then you've got Michelle. Uh, He's expendable. Uh, Mainly due to the emergence, I would say, of... um, of Ramondre uh, Stevenson. And so just given what the Rams gave up to get Michelle, I'm like, he's going to be provided opportunities in this backfield. I'm like, we're essentially looking at like a 50-50 split, like at this point, potentially. And I think Henderson and Michelle can be viewed as like running back threes, in my opinion. So Yeah, and that's what it is. If one of them were to get hurt, of course, that could make a change. But what I love, Eric, is Ramondre Stevenson. That is what the preseason is all about. Metric people like myself weren't crazy about him. Only a 4.6940 came out of Oklahoma fourth round pick. But Eric, I believe that sometimes the eyes take it over. We love the math, but he certainly looked impressive, right? In the preseason. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. You know, the, the metrics, you know, they'll tell you one thing, you know, the film will tell you uh, something else. And he's really taken advantage of the opportunities that he's had. And uh, you always like to see a story, you know, like that, you know, guy comes in, you know, works hard, makes a name for himself and it can, it can turn into an opportunity here for the 2021 season. Excited. Big quarterback news on Wednesday. Let's go one by one. Teddy Bridgewater is now the starter in Denver. Eric, I am irrationally high on Denver this year. I just think that the the Plinko board has all come together. Can you tell my kids and I watch a lot of game shows? And it really has come down to Vic Fangio, great defensive coordinator, has a great defense, maybe the best in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Here comes Teddy Bridgewater, the perfect type of quarterback with a team like that, with a defense that doesn't want to have to deal with turnovers. And I think, Eric, they're loaded on offense. What do you think about Teddy Bridgewater in Denver? I think he's a great super flex second quarterback. Yeah, I I would agree with you, Mike. You and I, uh, we are aligned because you look at Bridgewater, what he was able to do in Carolina uh, last year. You know, he had a a career season. You know, he finished as a QB one in uh, five games last season, average around 19 fantasy points per game. Uh, One thing with Denver, too, with their offensive line, I know they've got a high percentage of their starters uh, returning for this season, so they should have some continuity there. But you kind of touched on this is that he's surrounded by offensive talent at every position. His job is really to deliver the football to his playmakers and let them let them go to work from there. You know, he's got an experienced offensive coordinator in Pat Shermer. So I think Bridgewater, now that we know, hey, he's the starter, he's the guy, uh, he's someone I'm very comfortable targeting as my QB two and two quarterback leagues or super flex leagues. And in some some leagues, you may even be able to get him as your QB three. So love it. His yards per attempt, Eric, last three years, 5.1, 7.1, 7.6. He's trending up to that eight yards per attempt area. Yeah. Passing yards, 37, 25. And the reason we love Teddy and the reason Vic Fangio loves Teddy, 69% completion percentage. Yes. So we're both in alignment there. Trevor Lawrence starting in Jacksonville. You know, he's a talented guy, obviously. And I think he has a ton of potential. We saw him in the preseason game the other night rolling left and throwing right or or something like that, but can run. I just don't buy Urban Meyer. You're hearing the reports already that they don't like how he's running practice. Maybe that's much ado about nothing. Tell me, but I don't know if Trevor Lawrence is going to have as big a year as maybe some of these other rookies because I just, I don't know, call it a mojo feeling. I don't like what I'm hearing out of Jacksonville. Yeah, I can imagine, you know, Urban Meyer is that uh, kind of alpha coach, you know, personality where it, it could rub some people the wrong way. But and he's got to get acclimated too to the NFL game. I'm like, you know, these aren't college students. You know, these are these are grown men, you know, that are out there. <laughs> so, you know, perhaps he'll make the adjustment. But anyway, going going on into the discussion around Trevor Lawrence. So, I, I think you're bringing up some really good points. You know, he may not kind of exceed those expectations that many have for him. You know, I view him as a mid-range, you know, QB2 uh, in Urban Meyer's offense. One thing with Meyer's offense is that I expect it to be, up, uh, you know, up-tempo and very quarterback-friendly. And also, too, with Lawrence's uh, rushing ability is underrated. You know, so that's another way that he can uh, generate fantasy points. But when you look at his overall statistical body of work at Clemson, it's very impressive. We're not going to go into too much detail there. You know, but the bottom line is that, and I'm like, he's really the most pro-ready quarterback prospect I think that we've seen since Andrew Luck, and so I could see him having a similar rookie season, you know, uh, to Andrew Luck, you know, to what he had uh, many moons ago. So I believe it'll be good, but I'm kind of thinking more of a mid-range QB two. So and go in that backfield, Travis Etienne out for the entire season. I have this theory, Eric, that some of the doctors get a little mad at me on Twitter. You put a player in a boot, that is never a good sign. And it, it proved ominous again. It looks like it's James Robinson season. Am I wrong? No, no, you're, you're not wrong. You know, you're, you're right. I'm like, he he performed very well last year, you know, as an undrafted you know, free agent, comes in, again, takes advantage of the opportunity and performs very, very well. And so the stage is being set for him to replicate, you know, what he was able to do in 2020 in 2021 i'm like his main competition for touches is is what uh, carlos hyde i'm like that's not that's not really a name that's going to um intimidate you i would say and so i think urban meyer has no choice especially now. not in the passing game no no yeah. n- not at all so urban meyer doesn't have any excuses to not give james robinson's the opportunity 
Uh, I know before he's like, okay, well, I drafted Travis Etienne. So he's not going to be a factor this year. So I really like Robinson and uh, kudos to those that have continued to draft James Robinson in drafts over the last, you know, like month and a half or two months, because I believe his ADP was like in the sixth round. So you got a really good value there. And the last question is, is really just sort of a, a, an opinion. Heard that Joe Burrow is going to play in this preseason game. Would you play him, Eric? Because they didn't invest in the offensive line. They went for Jamar Chase. I would have taken Penny Sewell, who's struggling a little bit in Detroit. Yeah. But I just don't think you pass on 300-pound pancake left tackles. It's just not what I pass on. But <laughs> would you play Burrow a little risky or no? I don't I don't think it's really risky at all. I'm like, he's he's had the surgery. You know, he's going through the rehab process. I'm like, he, he's ready to play. I'm okay with it. I just think as an ex-athlete, you know, fear is like an athlete's, I would say, like worst, you know, enemy. Uh, I think the more acclimated and comfortable, you know, that he is out there, you know, before the start of the regular season, the better. I think really the only way to do that is just to get, you know, get more reps. And uh, for Burrow, I'm like, he was solid last year. Like he averaged 21 fantasy points per game last season, threw for 300 or more passing yards, like in five out of 10 games. And and with the offensive weapons that he's surrounded with, you mentioned Jamar Chase, he's still got T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd there. And again, I think the stage is being set for him to have a, a magical second season. I just think the more comfortable that he is going into week one, the better. I'm okay with it. Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener, this is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021, and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package, is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. I hate drawing comparisons to all-time great players, but we can't help because of the draft day picture of discussing Mac Jones without (laughs) discussing Tom Brady. So he has been very impressive. All of the reports you hear is he stays late and his teammates love him and he studies the defense. I don't know if we could blame Cam Newton for getting COVID a second time or getting quarantined, I should say, after he had it last year. But has Bill Belichick had enough of those shenanigans? And do you think Mac Jones is going to be the week one starter for the Patriots at home against the Dolphins? Yeah, the, this is interesting. This, uh, I, I, you know, I'll go ahead and I, I was diving. And I was like, you know, should I hold back my thoughts? So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. You don't hold back. Not on the mailbag. Yeah, no. not, not on the mailbag. So I would say, you know, to answer your question, I'm like, I, I do believe, it's absolutely true. That Mac Jones will be the week one starter. Wow. As far as okay. far as is uh Cam Newton's, you know, shenanigans. Whenever I think of a quarterback, um, and this is coming from the lineman perspective, you know, I think of someone that's a that's a leader, a leader of men. You know, someone that, you know, is not necessarily kind of like a clown, you know, that's out there, someone that does put in the time, that does stay late. So I think it's a good sign that he is staying late. Um you know, watching film, you know, trying to master the playbook and even seeing like some videos or photos of him and like Josh McDaniels all like, you know, buddy, buddy, smiling, jogging out into the field. And I'm looking at that and I'm just like, I was like, this guy's making a connection. So I think if I was Cam, you know, if I were Cam, I would be very worried. I'd say for a couple of reasons. For one, the what they call it, like the mishap, mishandling, you know, with COVID. I'm like, again, that's not good optics. You know, he needs to be at practice. I'm like, he's given his competition an opportunity to get a leg up. But on top of that, if you dive deep into Cam Newton's contract, it is very incentive laden. And so I'm like, he's just going to be on a very, very like short leash. But I, I do believe that uh, Jones will end up being the guy and that I think Bill and his staff yeah, may be kind of fed up with some of the shenanigans. So there we go. That's a great explanation there. I'm glad I asked. I, if you're Cam Newton, it's Cam Newton. I think you just named the podcast, Eric. Cam Newton Unsettled is, is what he should be right now because it <laughs> seems like Mac Jones has a shot. Very, very good. Yeah. Th- this next one comes from a fantasy football angle, but also a gambling angle. I saw something the other day. I think it was FanDuel. Mm-hmm. 99% of the money is on Tennessee over nine and a half wins. Now, of course, Eric, the reason they have those large buildings is because when things seem like a sure bet, they're probably not. But we hear today, Ryan Tannehill tested positive for COVID. A.J. Brown had some mysterious second knee injury that kind of got swept under the radar last week, earlier this week. 
Julio Jones, we know. But the the prevailing thought with Tennessee, well, they're going to have four wins against the Texans and Jaguars. That is the prevailing thought. And then, of course, the Colts. Well, now they're getting healthy. Where are you on the Titans? And are you all in on the Titans like everyone? Or does any of this give you a little bit of pause? Yeah, I would say, first of all, like it doesn't really give me like a uh, like a lot of pause. I'm like, OK, you tested positive for COVID. So we still have, a you know, some time before the start of the season. I'm like, he, he you know, he has access to the best, you know, we'll just say, uh, you know, kind of medical wonders that are out there to, to be ready. So I'm not really worried, you know, about that. Uh, I'll say with Tennessee, you know, the, the engine that propels this offense is, is Derrick Henry. You know, he's going to continue to uh, to get the work. It is concerning, you know, about A.J. Brown with this uh, with the the knee issue. I know he dealt with it all of last year. I say on the flip side. Yeah, I, hey, Eric, I feel like that's not being given enough attention. We no, all love not. A.J. Brown. Stud, the whole thing, incredible. But I'm starting to see a little, you know, smoke coming from the back of this one because there may be a fire here. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're right. It's something that really hasn't been spoken about uh, quite a bit. And um I just think about from like a player lens, like that that impacts like his his off season because he's not able to do, we'll say, some of the things that other players have been able to do because he's rehabbing, you know, his knee, <laughs> and so, you know, that's going to catch up with him like eventually. But uh, I would say, you know, Derrick Henry is going to be the engine that propels the offense. But I'm also kind of excited to see how the Titans' defense looks um, going into this year. You know, I know they've revamped. Um, they're going to have a ton of new starters, I'll say, going into the season, uh, particularly in the secondary. So I think this unit could be a lot better than what people uh, are giving them credit for just based off the bad taste they left in our mouths last season. But um, I would say I'm still in on the Titans just to try to bring all that together and tie it back to your original question. Uh, as far as like over the nine and a half wins, you know, I could buy it. I can dig it. This next one I, I am dying to get your answer for. So when I was putting the show sheet together, I'm like, I got to get Eric's breakdown on on some of the controversial sort of unknown, you know, high profile questions. And I, this is just from, you know, we digest all Twitter media. We're doing interviews, podcasts. If you ask the general Twitter public, social media, love the Bills. Bills are going to be really good. Josh Allen almost was MVP last year. Outstanding. Yeah. They got Stefan Diggs. He's great. The conversation stops there. Tight end, who's going to be the second wide receiver? What on earth do we do with the backfield? Zach Moss was hurt. I need you to give me the info here on Buffalo because we all love Buffalo. We think they're going to be good. They're certainly well coached. They have a really good quarterback. They're explosive. Stefan Diggs, record scratcher. Fill in the second half there on how you look at the receivers, tight end, and and the, and the backs in Buffalo. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it, it is a really intriguing question. I'll start with the uh, tight end uh, situation, then kind of weave to uh, receiver, and then close it out on running back. So with, with tight end, I'm like, you know, everyone's been waiting on the uh, the Dawson Knox uh, breakout. Uh, I believe it's coming for this year. You know, he's someone that, especially in tight end premium leagues, you know, I've been aggressively targeting as my uh, tight end three. So. I think he's going to have the gear that people have expected. Uh, as far as you look at the receiver situation, um, I know everyone was on the Gabriel Davis uh, hype train. You know, I love Gabriel Davis as well. But then you've got Emmanuel Sanders that was also signed. And unfortunately, you know, those two guys are really going to cannibalize each other's uh, fantasy value, such as you look at targets, receiving yards, the whole nine. But I'll tell you, at least based on my projections, who I have is their uh, second most targeted receiver is actually uh, Cole Beasley. Look at Beasley last year. Like he finishes a wide receiver three wow. and, and 67% okay. of his active games. Like if you look at PPR, guy had four wide receiver one finishes. So as far as like projections, you know, I project Beasley for like right around like 100 targets, you know, around 70 receptions and 800 receiving yards. I can I can see him too getting anywhere from like four to six touchdowns. And if he does get those additional touchdowns, let's say he ends up with like six, like that's really going to elevate his value uh, even more. And, and I'll, I'll try to tie this back to COVID too. Another thing too, which again, you've got people that are out there drafting, they may have like some unconscious bias that comes into play. So some people may say, okay, Cole Beasley, all this hype over, you know, the vaccine and this or that. Uh, they may even, that may kind of indirectly impact like his ADP. So if you're just looking at it strictly from the fantasy lens, 
which I am, it's that, you know, you got to take advantage of every or leverage everything that you can. I'm like, that could even impact negatively impact like his ADP. And so you may be able to get him even later than what you anticipated. And so I think he's a nice value that's out there. If you can get Beasley, like as your wide receiver four or wide receiver five, but he's going to be an awesome bi-week fill-in or like an, or like a fill-in if you have like an injury. So again, someone to keep on your radar. Just to tie all that together with the running back situation. Obviously, we know about Josh Allen, his rushing prowess and you know his ability to to score rushing touchdowns is really going to limit the upside of Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. But it's not one of those scenarios where I think you really need to like overthink it or make it more complicated than what he than, than what it is. I'm like, you look at those two running backs, you're not necessarily going to reach for either one of them in drafts. I would just be comfortable drafting whoever's left. And I would kind of target them as like okay. your RB3 or your RB4. One of them will unfortunately have to get injured. You know, you never want to hope or, or, you know, someone gets injured. You know, this is their career. This is their job. But that's what it's going to take to free up the additional opportunity share for one of them to thrive. But uh, I think they will see a similar you know, like opportunity shared this year. So again, we're looking at a committee that's probably going to be as close to 50-50 as we can get. But if you were to say, Eric, you know, I don't care about all that. Which one do you want me to pick? I'm going to go with Zach Moss because I think he's more efficient and more productive in the red zone. And if my memory serves me right, I believe he ended up getting more uh, red zone uh, opportunities. And when I say opportunities, I mean like rushing attempts and targets uh within the red zone uh last year so that's what i would go with you know so it's almost like what you're saying is take the cheapest running back if you make me pick i hope it's zach moss but whichever one sort of falls later if you want a piece of the buffalo backfield that's the direction to go yeah exactly oh salt or no salt on the margarita yeah i'm, I'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with salt on that and I'll, I'll tell you why so first job out of college uh as a sales representative, the beer and wine distributor. So here's a here's a tip oh. on the salt and the margarita. Salt is going to increase like your saliva, which is going to make the margarita seem more mouthwatering. Salt is also going to soften some of the harshness or bite in the tequila. Now, if you look at the different qualities of tequila, that is going to dictate on how harsh that bite will be. So, you know, if you're out there, you're out there at a bar, you know, restaurant. Uh, so you think about if I'm going to get like bottom shelf like tequila to get that margarita made, then you probably want to have salt on it. So it's going to taste a little bit better and not quite as harsh. I have to tell you, Eric, I have to retire that question. That is the greatest answer I've ever heard for this question. <laughs> you gave the actual rationale with salt. The question is retired. For those that are listening and they love these questions, that it's over. Eric, that is, well done. I, I that is the greatest answer I could possibly get. I mean, I am I am stunned here. Well done. Thank you for that. No, you're welcome. <laughs> Switching back to fantasy, I, I, I that was like a haymaker from uh, Clubber Lang in the middle of the second round there. Okay, I'm going to give you a story. Right. I'm going to tell you a story of of a particular player or team. I'm going to give you both sides of that story. And I want you to tell me which one you think is more feasible. Okay. Let's start with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Okay. Listen, Eric, Dak Prescott using the road of his game splits app. You look last year before he got injured, the offense was cooking over 30 points a game. Dak was putting in 2.6 touchdowns per game on pace, 330 passing yards, just dynamite. He's back. We're ready to go. This offense is going to roll. Flip side to that coin. Second MRI, Eric. Where there's smoke, there's fire. You don't get a second MRI for no reason. Offensive line in Dallas, not ranked as high in pro football focus as it usually is. Maybe it takes a step back. A lot of mouths to feed there in the offense. Blake Jarwin's coming off of injury. Maybe Dak's a little overvalued. Which way do you go? Yeah, I'm gonna go with the uh, the the first story, you know that you uh, that you mentioned for where um, you know everything kind of goes goes like according to uh, you know the plan. Like I, I know it's a lot of talk around like his injury. I'm not I'm not overly uh, overly concerned about it. Uh, I would say as far as like with the offensive line, it's uh, they had so many of their studs, their top guys miss like so many games. They're all relatively healthy going into the season. So, you know, Dallas's offensive line will be able to elevate itself back up to its, uh, we'll say, like elite status. So I think that first scenario uh, is more likely, in my opinion. All right, let's give you another one. Miami Dolphins with Tua. 
Tua was by far and away going to be the number one pick before he got hurt in Alabama. He gets drafted last year after people are worried about his physical. Miami says, you know what? We're going to throw him in even though Fitzpatrick is doing well. He takes his lumps. He wasn't prepared, Eric. He probably didn't think he was going to start that quickly, but he found a way to hammer through. Now he's had a full preseason. They bring in Jalen Waddle there so that he has a familiar face. They have weapons. They're very well coached. They're in the AFC East. They're a team on the rise. He's going to have a big year, and he's undervalued. Flip side, Tua was not good last year. There's whispers that he may not be their franchise quarterback. Instead of protecting him, they bring in a small wide receiver with an early pick in the first round, which is obviously a mistake. Nobody knows who their lead running back is. Quote Parcells and apply it to running backs. If you have three running backs, you have no running backs. Jalen Waddle could be someone who's very injury prone. Will Fuller's there, but of course he was suspended last year. Is Mike Kosicki the answer? Too much uncertainty. I'm going to pass. Where are you on Tua and the Dolphins? I, I, I'm going to uh, continue my, uh, my trend. I think that first story, the more optimistic one, if we're going to the fantasy yep. football multiverse here, uh, that, that that's the choice that I'm going to go with. And I, I was thinking as you're going through that, it's um, – Oh, his name escapes me. They're uh, their old offensive coordinator. Help me out, Mike. Um, oh, Chan Gailey. Chan Gailey. Chan yeah. Gailey, yes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you got Gailey that was there. It's uh, what he was trying to do offensively last year really wasn't the, the best fit, like, for Tua. And then, you know, Tua's still trying to work his way back, you know, from the serious injury he had at Bama, you know, kind of going into the, uh, you know, the NFL draft process and getting picked up by Miami. And so he's going to be a lot healthier this year. But plus he's uh, – not going to have to deal with that archaic offense that Chan Gailey had in place. And so with the offensive coordinators that they have now, and they kind of have the co-offensive coordinator set up, I'm like, they're going to really play to two of strengths. And I think we got a taste of that with some of the decisions that they made going into this year. You got Will Fuller that's there. You've got uh, you know Jalen Waddell. Of course, you've got Devontae Parker, quick side note, who's like criminally like underrated. You got a guy sitting there in the 10th or 11th round, you know, that's a, a very solid statistical body of work that, that's going to get over 100 targets. Just draft him. That's all you need to do. But I, I think the stage is being set for, uh, for Tua to really have a, a special season. I think they're going to let him air it out a lot more this year than they did with Gailey. So I like that first scenario. And the last one I'll give you is with the Chargers. Brandon Staley, head coach, Joe Lombardi, offensive coordinator. We saw how good Herbert was as a rookie, even though it took a, a, a misplaced needle to get him into this as a starter there. <laughs> but oh. this team is going to take off. Austin Eckler, one of the most fantasy-friendly professional football players that we have out there. Yes. Keenan Allen, of course. This is the Mike Williams breakout season like Devontae Parker. They're going to roll. They're healthy. This is the offense. The offensive line is finally healthy, and it looks like it's tremendous with Rayshon Slater doing great in practice. This is the team. Get on Eckler. Get on Mike Williams. The bus is taking off. Flip side, they're never going to trust Austin Eckler as the goal line back. He can catch a ton of passes, but it could be Justin Jackson who just got hurt or Joshua Kelly or even Larry Roundtree who looked pretty good, by the way, in preseason. And Mike Williams is who Mike Williams is. He's never going to be an 80-catch guy. He's too volatile. And, oh, by the way, watch out for Josh Palmer, who's been impressing. So Eckler and Williams is where I'm going with this. Buying into the big season, and they're going to be catalysts in the Charger offense? Or do you buy into the Charger offense and think that maybe they're a little overvalued because other players are going to take those spots? Yeah, I, I'm actually feeling just you know very optimistic today. So I'm more optimistic Good. about Eckler and uh, and Mike Williams with the breakout. I, I, to kind of touch on Williams, I think we we know what to expect from Eckler. I'm like, you know, he he can do it all. You know, running back in between the tackles, uh, receiver out of the backfield, definitely more lethal as a receiver. You know, he's he's serviceable. You know, as a runner, but you really want to get that guy out in space. You know, he can end up being like their version of of Alvin Kamara, pretty much. You look at Mike Williams, uh, I know a lot of people were thinking about uh, with Joe uh, Lombardi's uh, comments about, um, you know, he's going to be the X receiver, Michael Thomas. Everyone's like, well, you know, Michael Thomas, you know, just ran slants. But I'm like, what do you think? Part of the reason he ran a lot of slants is because, you know, Drew Brees' cannon, you know, it it went from a cannon to like a a pellet gun. I think that may have played a, a factor into this, but... The, the, my takeaway from it was that with Mike Williams, they, they want to get him involved. They want to get him targets. doesn't mean that he's going to replace Keenan Allen. 
you know, that's that's not what's going to happen here. I just took that as like, hey, this is a guy that they feel really good about. They want to get him more involved. And so that's where the angle that I'm coming from as far as like with the breakout. But I think uh, Eckler and Mike Williams, I know they have completely different ADPs, but both of them are, are really good values. I'll be really, really happy if I'm uh, drafting from like the 10th, 11th, or 12th spot, if we're looking at a 12-team league, able to land Austin Eckler like in the second round. I know his ADP has been creeping up, but again, you know, perception. You just have to look at your specific league to kind of get a gauge on what that looks like. But yeah, I'm optimistic. And if Mike Williams stays healthy, he's going to smash. And I remember, Eric, I remember where I was when I realized Drew Brees' arm was done. It was the Stefan Diggs catch game in Minnesota. Yes. Earlier in that quarter, maybe it was late in the third, Brees went back into his end zone and was looking to hit, I believe, Ted Ginn who was flying down the middle of the field. It was underthrown. Harrison Smith picked it off, I believe. And I remember saying, he's in a, he's in a dome. He's in, there's no way he should that, that pass shouldn't hit. And it didn't hit. And from that point, I realized we can't judge Michael Thomas based on that. Let's see what happens. If Jameis starts, let's see what happens because he can certainly air it out. He's got a big arm. Oh, yeah. But Absolutely. that's my point. I like Josh Palmer, but William's going to have to get injured because he could have the Devontae Parker season. It could come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you about end-of-year schedules. Had a question here about end-of-year schedules. Ask Eric, how much do they matter to him when he's doing his seasonal draft? Someone is coming up now on redraft and seasonal leagues. Warren Sharp puts out that incredible Bible of, of pages that's just amazing. And he and he does, yeah, it's incredible. He does the, uh, the, the projected strength of schedule based on Vegas win totals. And the Niners are in an area by themselves. They, they really are. And looking at their schedule down the stretch at Jacksonville, Minnesota home, not easy. At Seattle, of course, but it'll be a close game. At Cincinnati, Atlanta, at Tennessee, home Houston, week 17. The Niners have a very favorable schedule. How much does that factor in when you do your seasonal leagues and your redraft leagues? Yeah, it, 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 it does matter, you know, to answer the question directly, but it, it's got to be a balance. Look at it like this, like you're you're building like a, like an investment portfolio. You want to make sure you got proper diversification. You, know, you got U.S. stocks, international stocks. You may have little commodities that are in there. You know, you've got different types of bonds. It's not like you're going to say, hey, I'm going to build this fantasy team. All emerging markets, baby, all in. You're not going to do that. You want to you want to try to spread it out a little bit. And so that's how I look at it when you look at a. Uh, uh, when you're looking at like schedules and there's a lot of great tools that are out there, which you can analyze to get an, a better idea on okay, which teams are going to have uh, very, you know, very good schedules. And so um, like a, a great example of that is if you build a little bit of that into your fantasy team, quote unquote portfolio, I'm like, you can, you can hit, you know, a home run. Uh, I guess I'll tie a baseball analogy to it. I, I think a good example of that, when I think about that is uh, even like a guy like, uh, like David Montgomery, and I know this has probably been kind of beaten to death this offseason about no, how he finished point. the season. Sure. Okay, but but look at it, look at it from this angle. I'm gonna kinda we're gonna think of it as like the iceberg. Everyone's used to the top. You know, David Montgomery crushed from week twelve to week seventeen. That he did, you know, finishes an RB one six consecutive games, you know, twenty five point seven PPR points per game. Everybody knows that story. But I think what's not talked about is if you look at the uh, his his first half of the year for where he struggled. Really like inconsistent, but the opportunities were there. And here's the deal. David Montgomery is not the type of running back that can transcend like poor offensive line play. He's just not that guy. But once he got the favorable matchups, that's where he was able to thrive. So you need to identify, if you're looking at some of these resources and these teams saying, and this is kind of where the, the film analysis or just watching YouTube clips come into play. You could you can make your, your own decisions is that saying, hey, is this a guy that if he's not getting the best blocking is he athletically gifted enough to still produce? And if you find a guy who's like, hey, that guy looks pretty good on that clip, that could be – that's how you can kind of get your league winners and just be sure to to stash those. And so Montgomery was someone that you know, I, I aggressively uh, targeted like in drafts going into last year. And he was someone too in like my columns at The Athletic and other places back then that you know, I, w- I was championing to say, hey, go, go trade for this guy. He's dirt cheap. He can help you down the road just if you get a ticket to the dance. And that's exactly what happened. You have a favorite video game growing up? Yeah, yeah. I used to love uh, fighting games, you know, like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat. But probably my favorite game growing up was Tekken 3. Played it like 
ridiculous the ridiculous amount of time in the arcade playing that. Unbelievable. Excellent. Street Fighter Two Champion Edition in college. Oh, Blanca just hit the button over and over oh, yeah. again. They'll never sweep the legs, of course. <laughs> Eric, have you looked at DFS prices yet? I'm just trying to win a million dollars so I can retire and join you here and do this full time. I'm looking. Is there anyone who stands out here week one? I know it's a little early, but you know, let me just go crazy here. I mean, Jacksonville's at Houston. Okay, I mean, yeah. are we starting Tyrod Taylor? Am I crazy? Anybody jump out here for you? Any of the positions? Week one DFS. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's some names that really jump out to me. Uh, I'll tell you one is uh, like Joe Burrow. I know we talked briefly uh, about him. I know they're going up against uh, Minnesota Vikings. You know, secondary can definitely be exploited. You know, Burrow's got oh, the weapons cheap. to do that. Yeah, yeah, oh, he's my like goodness. Yeah. And I, I'm looking at fifty seven hundred on DK. Yeah, yeah. I, we I can't play FanDuel like in Texas, so <laughs> DraftKings is all that I have. So I'm going off of DraftKings prices for those that are uh, you know that are listening. Uh, so Burrow's one. Another one's Baker Baker Mayfield. You know, had a lot of success uh, last year. Yep. Another one that's good if if we get you know the the thumbs up from San Francisco is Trey Lance. He's forty five hundred. Oh, um, yeah. Wow. I would I would say if you look at running backs, one guy that I like is uh, Raheem Mostert. Uh, I know it's been a lot of offseason talking about Trey Sermon, rightfully so. Guy's a stud, but you still got Mostert that's there. Uh, they're going against the Lions. He's uh, 5,800. Now, another guy I'll spend like a little bit of extra time talking about, but not too much, is uh, like Chase Edmonds. You know, he's at, he's at uh, 4,600. And I just remember uh, at Pro Football Network. Four point you know, PPR and DraftKings. Yep. Yeah. I'm like, yep. it is really good value. And I know a lot of folks are thinking about, okay, what about, you know, what about James Conner? And, you know, you know, what about him? You know, our, uh, NFL insider uh, Adam Beasley, you know, formerly of the uh, Miami Herald, uh, you know, what he uncovered was that the the training camp battle between Edmonds and James Conner was really just a battle in name only. Like Arizona is all in on Chase Edmonds. And I'm looking at that at his ADP. You look at his price like on DraftKings. I'm like, this is a running back that at the end of the season that we can be looking at for where he can easily accumulate close to 300 opportunities. In that Arizona Cardinals offense, I'm like, that's something you want exposure to. So I know Edmonds is one. Just to kind of uh, close the loop on this real quick, as far as uh, other options, you got Brandon Cooks. Uh, he's going to get a ton of targets. You know, as the Texans' number one receiver, he's got little competition to challenge his alpha status. Jaguars, you yes, know, he uh, is. Yes, he's yeah, like 5,300. You've got Jalen Waddle, who's dirt cheap at 3,600. And then this will probably be the only time I say this this year. Because I can only imagine his price is going to go up from here. But at tight end, you got the Falcons. They're going up against uh, the Eagles. You got Kyle Pitts like at 4,400. You can't beat that, right? The Eagles really not great against opposing tight ends. So, I mean, that, boy, that is a great call. Last year, opposing tight ends, Philadelphia. Yeah, they allowed the ninth most fantasy points per game to opposing tight ends. Oh, boy, Kyle Pitts is going to eat excellent calls across the board. Here's a good one for you. It came from a, a loyal listener, Pete Aquaviva. I ask it now ever since he sent it in. I want you to take one of your strongest takes, one of the, the ones that you feel the most sure about, and then explain that if it doesn't hit, here's the path why it wouldn't hit. So he says, he always hears everybody talking about why they like somebody. He likes it when he say, look, I like this guy. I think it's a great year. But if it doesn't work out, I'll explain to you how it wouldn't work out. Can you do that for one of your takes? Yeah, you know, I was I was thinking about this question as you as you were reading it, and um, I was thinking I could take one of two ways. I'll, I'll let you choose for me, Mike. I'll let you choose for me. So, one, I was thinking about if Chase Edmonds, if he doesn't necessarily go boom, because I'm I'm very strong, I feel you know, very strongly about him. But another one was Allen Robinson. So which 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 path? Oh, do you go on Robinson because okay. I want to hear this. Okay. I want to hear Allen Robinson. Right. Go ahead. So we got Allen Robinson. So uh, every, you know the whole narrative is that he has thrived with lackluster quarterback play, and that and that is true. He has like he's accumulated like a lot of targets that's there. But one thing to always think about when he, whenever you have a quarterback change is that you know again perception isn't always reality. And so one thing that could go south for him is that I'm like you've got Andy Dalton, you know that's there, Red Rifle supposedly supposed to be the starter, you know, Matt Nagy, we won't go there. But then you've got a Justin Fields that's there. And what I think about is that this is an opportunity for, you know, like Allen Robinson or Darnell Mooney to get calibrated with the quarterback, but it doesn't always go the way that we plan. 
So I think where this could go wrong is that, you know, in practice, preseason, and once we get to the regular season in week one, it's just like, let's just say if it's Justin Fields, that's who everybody wants, right? So Justin Fields gets out there, and you're like, hey, Allen Robinson's great, but this Darnell Mooney guy, this dude is ridiculous. And he just starts throwing the ball to Darnell Mooney more. And before you know it, I'm like, Darnell Mooney has a a, a larger target share than we initially expected. And Allen Robinson is still getting his, but Darnell Mooney is like, what if we're looking like middle of the season and this guy is like a top 15, you know, uh, fantasy wide receiver. You know, he's finishing as like a high end wide receiver three, low end wide receiver two every week as the season progresses. I'm like, it's in the realm of possibility just because people don't think about it or thinking it can't happen or it won't because we're we're all in on Allen Robinson. This is just a kind of another, uh, I guess, glimpse of what could happen. And that's for where... Uh, that, you know, that take, you know, that I have, that's where it could go wrong. That is another great answer because no one is out here saying that Allen Robinson is actually not going to get as much production when the quarterback improves, when in fact a poor quarterback play means they're going to be safe. They're going to throw to the best player more often. We've seen fields running all over the place, 70 rushing yards on six uh, rollouts, I think something like that. And he's got a cannon. That is a great take because that is absolutely something that could happen. Well done. Did Jonathan Taylor go from undervalued early in the summer to overvalued because Carson Wentz is going to be at Quentin Nelson, but now undervalued because people dropped him so much because they didn't think that Wentz was going to start. Where are you on Jonathan Taylor now? <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I was uh... – you know, it's kind of talking about this off and on as this whole uh, scenario took place. It's that, I mean, Taylor gave us a glimpse of what he's capable of, you know, from weeks, weeks uh, 11 to 17 last year, where, you know, he he basically, you know, went into boss mode. <laughs> you know, he, he showed us what he's capable of. He finishes an RB1 in five out of six games. Even when Carson Wentz before the injury, it's like, I, I believe, based on my projections, that they were going to lean more on the offensive line and Taylor more than on the arm of Carson Wentz because he just needs a strong running game to be able to, you know, kind of keep his mental sanity, his confidence and everything going. And so that's where my uh, belief, I would say, in Taylor never waned. But to your point, this is exactly what's happened. It's it, it, There have been more ups and downs with the perception of Taylor and how he's perceived and just like the S and P 500, you know, up, down, up, down. So uh, we're just kind of in that scenario, but he's still a really good, uh, really good value. I'm like, if you could get him a, a latter part of the first round or top of the second, it's just like, just take advantage. I got this next question from John Jansen on the line change on Fox Philly gambling. Mm-hmm. He loves Nick Chubb and you will hear oh, Nick Chubb, his ceilings cap because of Kareem hunt. He doesn't catch passes. Does it matter, Eric? Because you don't want to bust on your early picks. That's the way to to really kill your chances of winning your redraft league. But Nick Chubb is probably about as safe as you can possibly get. So maybe he can't have a CMC or a Dalvin Cook year, but he's also not going to bust. Where are you on Nick Chubb? Yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable drafting a Nick Chubb, you know, where he's going. Uh, you got Kareem Hunt that's there. He's uh, average. I think it's around like four targets per game, like in the 24 active games uh, since he's arrived in Cleveland. Uh, but one thing with Chubb, I'm like, he's averaged a little over 17 rushing attempts and 91 rushing yards per game. Like over the last two seasons, you know, since uh, Hunt's essentially been there. But he's finishes an RB2 or better in 68% of his games over that time frame. I'm like, he's running behind an elite offensive line. He, he has a high number of breakaway runs, you know, runs that are greater than 15 or more yards. And so I think he's 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 very capable of producing. So I wouldn't be overly concerned uh, about his uh, targets and number of receptions, that sort of thing. I'm trying to get fantasy football fear factor going. And Eric, you go on, you're killing it. You get to the finals. What's the one thing that you say, oh, they better not put this out there? Oh, I'll tell you. I'll be transparent. I remember watching, like, you know, Fear Factor, like, a lot whenever it came on. I believe it was on, like, NBC, you know, Joe Rogan, the whole thing. I'll tell you one thing. I remember seeing this, and I was just like, 
you know, I was like Bill Paxson from Aliens. I was like, game over, man. Game over. When, when, <laughs> Good one. When, whenever, uh, whenever they were shoveling, like, they, they had them shovel, like, roadkill. I still remember this so many years ago. Like, they were shoveling, like, roadkill. And then, like, Joe Rogan, like, they made them, like, eat it. I'm like, if, if, if you put that out in front of me, oh. just being able, having to see it, you know, to, to see it, you know, shoveled and then just to eat it. I'm like, I remember one where they, uh, they blended like a rat, which I wouldn't have a problem with that. Cause it's like liquefied, but just, just the roadkill thing. I, I I'm out. <laughs> I have never heard that. And I don't want to do that ever. That, oh my goodness. You're, so you, they told you to scoop it up and you think that's it. And then you have to eat it. Oh, get out of here. Even though I put ketchup on Eric, that's not going to work. It, it was, it was crazy. I think it was like, if my memory serves me right, it's like so many years ago. I, I think they, it was like a target that was like on the ground where they had to kind of like throw something, uh, like whoever got like a bullseye didn't have to do it. But if you didn't get like a bullseye, you had to, it was something like that. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> Scott from Hasbro Heights wants to know full disclosure. Yes, I'm a Steelers fan, but if Najee Harris plays a full season, 16 games or more, Am I crazy to think he's going to be a top three fantasy option? He's been out there with all of Ben Roethlisberger and the first team in the preseason. If Ben is healthy, you know he's not running, Eric, so there could be a lot of passes out of the backfield. He could be Phillip Rivers' redux in some ways this year. I know they pass a lot, but Najee Harris is the man there. That doesn't sound too crazy to me. No, 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 it doesn't. You know, we, we all know what what he was able to accomplish uh, at Alabama. And uh, we also know that how like the Steelers, you know, have a history of leaning heavily on, on a running back and, and, and prospering. And, and Ben, you know, was there for the ride, too. Like he's essentially the second coming of Le'Veon Bell. That's what Najee Harris is. Hopefully without the bad music videos. But yes. you get my point. <laughs> very, very true. Talk to our dynasty listeners, Eric. Is there a round three or later rookie pick? Maybe Ramondre Stevenson, someone you think that can have an impact this year. Someone that you got for your dynasty rosters, you stash, and you say, you know, I may keep an eye on him because second half of the year he could do some damage. Yeah, I was thinking about this one. Um, I'm just thinking about ADP. Elijah Moore, was he? where was he going? He was going uh, later. Help yeah, me he out, could Mike. go second. Third. He's, he's somewhere around there. That's a good answer. That's fine. Okay, I, I felt like yeah, I felt like he was going like a little bit later, yeah. but uh, you know, I just I just think back, you know, like with Moore because um, I know he was in the SEC, you uh, know, just from growing up in uh, in Alabama. Like I follow the SEC closely, especially uh, University of Alabama. But you know, I, I think if, if you think about it, if you think of uh, if it wasn't like for Devontae Smith's like you know Heisman winning season, I think Moore. I'm like I'm like he I'm like he would have been like the the nation's like top receiver. I'm like. The, the guy had like six games over 100 receiving yards and three over 200. I'm like, he was exceptional, like uh, with yards, like after the catch. And so I think about the situation he's in uh, kind of parallels to not exactly, but you, you get where I'm going with this, like with Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney, because they got like a new quarterback there. They got Zach Wilson that's there. And um, again, he seems like he's calibrated more with uh, Elijah Moore than Corey Davis, because you know, the, the following the money doesn't always work. You know, they acquired him, but, you know, you, Davis profiles more as like a wide receiver three, you know, in my opinion. But I think Moore has got that alpha potential. And I think that rapport with Wilson could propel him to greater things than people think. Eric, this is great as always. You never disappoint. One more question, and you know it's coming, and I'll get you out of here. Give me the bold prediction. We had you on late last year, so I did not get to the bold prediction section with you. I'm very excited. Give me yeah. the bold, you know what? This could absolutely happen, and it's a little bit out there. Give me the bold prediction for this year. All right, so the bold prediction for this year is that Matthew Stafford finishes as the fantasy QB1. I'll give you yes! a little bit of rationale. Yes! Yes! So it's just um, we got so much talk around Jalen Hurts and everyone's enamored by dual-threat quarterbacks, the Konami code and all that stuff, and rightfully so. But I'm like, you look at Stafford, I'm like – I'm like he's you know he's he's dirt cheap you know he he has a potential to finish as a as a QB one. You look at Sean McVay like his offensive scheme you know he's kind of like you know the mastermind. But I look at it like this: it's just like Sean McVay in his mind. He probably never say this publicly. Well, m- maybe he will now. Who knows? Is that man? I've had to handhold mm-hmm. Jared Goff for years, 
and he made him fantasy relevant. That's the crazy thing. Now he's got Stafford who can make any throw that he asked him to make with ease. He still has all the receiving weapons there. You know, Robert Woods, you know, Cooper Cup, um, you know, Van Jefferson, you know, Tyler Higby. So he's got the weapons there. And so I, I think what we'll see with Sean McVay is that he he won't have like any constraints on him. I kind of feel like Sean McVay is like gonna kind of rolled out there like uh you know, like Ultron from Avengers Age of Ultron saying, hey, there's there's not any, any strings on me anymore. And I think Stafford is going to prosper and he's going to flourish. And the beauty of it is I'm like, I love his ADP. I'm trying to snack him up uh, wherever I can. So that's my bold prediction. I am very biased to that because with my Scott Fishbowl team starting Kyler Murray, Jonathan Taylor, Matthew Stafford, and oh, by the way, Cooper Cup in round seven, I agree. Nice. I'm 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 all in on them. The the injury to Acres hurt me a little bit in some other leagues, but to me they're going to throw more. I would love that prediction to come through. He he's got some great uh, he's got some great odds on MVP. Stafford lead the league in passing. He's got some great odds. That's a good one. You do not disappoint, folks. Eric Moody, senior fantasy analyst, ProFootballNetwork.com, must follow on Twitter at Eric N Moody. Killed it. Did a great job. Well done, sir. Never disappoint. Well, hey, thanks. Thanks for the invite as always. Like I mentioned, hey, I get the I get the DM from you on Twitter about coming on. <laughs> always happy to do always happy to do so. So I would just just uh, echo what you mentioned. Say, hey, follow me on Twitter, you know, reach out. Always very happy to engage, you know, with those that follow me. Ask any question, you know, I'll get back to you. And just check out, you know, all my content over at our Pro Football Network. You know, again, all my audio content written content and video contents is there. You know, we've got a lot of player profiles out there and other uh, content that gets you help get you ready uh, for drafts. And also, you know, if you like what you heard here today, you know, feel free to listen to the In the Mood for Fantasy Football podcast with myself and uh, Tommy Garrett. But I'll close on this. Uh, I'll close on this. Another pop culture reference. I've been kind of using this a lot lately, but hey, I'll keep going with it because my kids saw this movie for the first time and I was like, hmm, kind of going down memory lane is that you remember Macaulay Culkin in, uh, in Richie Rich, you know, where he was speaking to that uh, that group and he's like, you know what? Hey, it's been real. Thanks again, Mike. <laughs> Classy guy and a great fantasy mind. Thanks so much, Eric. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Randall Rant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in.